It's time. Time for what, you might ask? It's time to optimize your health and upgrade your life. Cutting-edge research, biohacks, ancestral wisdom, wellness, intuition, and more. This is The Synthesis of Wellness. Your host and biohacker Chloe Porter has a background in engineering, innovation, and research. Her analytical background coupled with her journey in overcoming a brain tumor and defeating several chronic illnesses enables her to approach health and wellness in an innovative way. And now more than ever, she is ready to share her biohacking secrets and expose cutting edge research. We are so glad you're here. Welcome to the Synthesis of Wellness podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Synthesis of Wellness podcast. Today, we are joined by Dr. Barry Tan. Dr. Tan has obtained his PhD in chemistry and biochemistry from the University of Otago, New Zealand, and held a professorship at UMass as well. Dr. Tan is celebrated as a pioneer and the leading authority on vitamin E. And with his unwavering dedication, he is committed to the exploration and the advancement of phytonutrients with the potential to alleviate chronic illness. I am so excited and honored to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. Glad to be on your podcast, Chloe. Hopefully this will be instructional, helpful to all your listeners out there who are true biohackers and looking forward to find out what in life and what in uh, the plant world or the animal world can help to assist in their own life and wellness. Absolutely. I think the audience is so excited and ready to hear this conversation. So just in starting out, I like to ask my guests about their journey. So how did your journey unfold in this area of research pertaining to vitamin E? Yeah, thank you. Uh, people have heard about vitamin E off again, on again. You know, it had its heydays. And then after that, people, before vitamin E, it was vitamin A, all about the goodness of vitamin A in the eye. And then vitamin E, it come and gone. And then people talk about vitamin D, the sunshine vitamin. And right now people talk about vitamin K uh, like that. But vitamin E is a, a few steps behind. Uh, but vitamin E, as I'm talking about, is referring to a lesser known vitamin E called, I know it's a mouthful of a word, a tocotrienol. And the more common vitamin E is tocopherol. But your question is, how do I get into this? About 40, 45 years ago, I was interested in vegetable oil. So we all eat vegetable oil for cooking this and that. And like all oil and fat, uh, uh, they are not 
highly stable, not totally unstable, but they're not highly stable, very oxidizable. And then I noticed that plant makes vitamin E in the vegetable oil to protect the vegetable oil. So I was curious how the plant makes the vitamin E. And just prior to that, I was also fascinated with plants that make color. So if the biohackers are listening, you can see how my mind is thinking. And, and But of, uh, it's interesting. I know in today is a very sexy thing to call a biohacking. In the days when I was doing it, that phrase was not used. I am simply was interested in how plant makes chemical like that and, and why they make it. And could it be something useful for me like that? But not so dissimilar from today's biohackers background. So if you just uh, pardon me and then grab the biohacking thing, as I would be a person not in my 20s and 30s, you will still get the gist. So I was interested in the colors of life. So if you think of the New England foliage, all these beautiful colors, I was very fascinated with that. And they tend to be in the leaves and in the flower particularly in the leaf. It's very dramatic, and I'm sure you can see other parts of the country have it, particularly in New England. You can see that the leaf, a green color, they photosynthesize, and then for two splendor weeks in the fall, uh, they turn the hormones on, the, the green color disappear, and then the flaming yellowish orangey red color come into bloom. Those colors are carotene. It always was in the leaf except that it's masked by the red color. And when they shut down the hormone, because the leaf is going to go uh, to hibernation, the leaf, will, this is before the leaf fall off. Then for two weeks, you see a little bit of a secret. Aha, they have all this carotene there. It always was there. So I was kind of fascinated with that. That was what directed me to the vitamin E. The year was, the year was 1994. There was a famous professor at Harvard, an ophthalmologist. Her name is Joanna Seden. And Professor Seden said, on the back of the retina of the eye, when we see a uh, 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 look in the computer, the blue, the blue light should come in. And then we have lutein and zeaxanthin on the eye. They filter the blue light so that it protects the eye. Today, everybody knows that you take lutein and zeaxanthin to protect your eye. You don't have macular degeneration, blah, 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 and all these wonderful things. But this is 1994, not so long ago. So when she did that, I got even more interested because I was already interested in carotene. So I went to South America. And I went to South America because they have this giant... Uh, a marigold flower and the petal uh, orangey, bright orangey yellow color and they have lutein. I was looking to extract them. I did go there and I did find this huge uh, marigold flower, but fate has it. Literally 30 feet away from me, I found an annatto plant. Annatto is what we extract the color for coloring cheese today popularly and other oh, wow. things too but mostly if you go to whole food or trader joe that beautiful color is used anato color i saw that plant and then that plant is also the color of carotene i intuitively know 
that it, there must be a very powerful antioxidant that protect the color because carotene color are not something that just stain your hand. The British call this anato uh, plant the lipstick plant. So I have not been able to find the the, the anthropological connection. Probably uh, 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 the beautiful convention of the lipstick originally being red probably come from this. This is before we now have lipstick of every imaginable synthetic color, but the original lipstick red color comes from it. It's from the stunning color and the British named this plant the lipstick plant. But unlike all other carotene, Chloe, they are trapped inside the cell. Like if you cook tomato, you have Italian sauce, the lycopene, doesn't get destroyed, it's inside the cell. Or if you cook carrot, the beta carotene are not destroyed. And even if you cook lobster, the lobster is yucky green color. It only deprotonate to show the astaxanthin. So I knew enough, this actually is a true biohacker's delight. I knew enough to know that carotenes are unstable. They're inside the cell like the foliage color. And therefore, you are not, they, they are well protected with the lone exception from anato. If you touch it, it stains your hand. So if it stains your hand, that means that it's not inside the cell protected anywhere. That was when I make a guess that it got to be some physical antioxidant that protect it. That's it. My journey was arrested. I took the compound. I took the seed back analyzed for it, and I found out that the protectant to protect the color is a vitamin E molecule. And that vitamin E molecule is a very specific vitamin E molecule called tocotrienol, not the common one tocopherol. Sorry, it took me a while, but that was my journey. Like, And it's beautifully described in this book. Later on, if you want to download this book to read, I describe in more detail about the finding. Thank you for letting me uh, share that journey with you. <laughs> that was that was so cool. I loved how you explained everything because it really illustrated the picture of just how cool this compound really is. So, and and for the audience listening, we'll talk about that book again at the end because um, you'll be able to download that for free with a code that I'll provide. So, a great resource on vitamin E, and we're super thankful to have that. So you did mention this compound, this tocotrienol. I think I pronounced that correctly. Yes. Awesome. So this compound, can we go into some of the differences between this and that old version or the more well-known, I guess, version, the tocopherol uh, vitamin E? Yes. I think uh, I'll do it by using this. I don't know your audience can see video, but this one here. And if you look at this, uh, a, a tocopherol or a tocotrino has a head and a tail like that. And then you look like this. So generally, a vitamin E molecule look like this with a tail. The tail of a tocopherol, this is saturated. That means it doesn't have double bond. It's not so articulate. So it land on the, on the cell wall and it protect the cell wall from oxidation. And then the antioxidant head is here like that. And then a tocotrienol look the same as this. 
except that the tail of a toco trienoid is unsaturated. Therefore, it's got double bond and therefore the tail is shorter. So what does a shorter tail in toco trienoid do additionally than the tocopherol does not do? A toco trienoid tail being shorter, it anchors into the lipid membrane less. So when it anchors less, it flies. Think of the think of the cell like a bean shape, and the cell membrane is like this. So if it it goes around like this, and a tocopherol will go around to protect any oxidized fat to remove the oxygen. But a toco trienoid, because it anchors less deeply, it flies around much faster. So because of doing that, it's more efficient in capturing uh, the oxygen, so it won't damage the lipid. So I think of a tocopherol and toco trienoid like a policeman for a tocopherol, because it's only in the confine of the town that they protect. And a toco trienoid would be like a state trooper. It covers the whole state, so it does the same job, except that it does it in a much larger scope, area, and efficiency. So, all for the reason that the tail is shorter, it anchors less deeply into the lipid membrane. It is factually true. That is really fascinating. That is really cool. So, what? What were some of the initial findings in these studies on tocotrienols? The original finding, uh, uh, the original, since then they have uh, branched out to other areas. The original finding is this: it started at University of Wisconsin in Madison, and that professor is still living. It is his eighties, and he's retired. Wonderful gentleman. Uh, relatively quiet, and you can Google his name, him to study scientifically if you so wish. His first name is Asaf A S A F Kurashi Q U R E S H I. If you need the name, I can have a gem to send it to you. And Dr. Kurashi discovered, of all places, Bali because they were connected to a USDA lab, and Bali barely have any oil, but he extracted this. Black gooey mass, and they stick it to hypercholesterolemic pigs. You know, pick me pigs, and then they their cholesterol drop. That gave them the idea that uh, the 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 whatever the compound is lower cholesterol, and then they identified the pin in the haystack. That compound is a tocotrienol molecule. They were surprised, and then they found out that it could lower cholesterol. So that was the first time. A toco trienol structure was defined where it has differentiated property from tocopherol. Tocopherol is an antioxidant, and so is toco trienol, as I mentioned a little earlier. But this is the first time a toco trienol have differentiated property in that it can lower cholesterol. And right now, many people have high cholesterol, and high cholesterol does not bode well with cardiovascular disease. So that was the original. Finding why a, a toco trienol can do so. That's super cool. So you mentioned that they're they're both antioxidants, and that this toco trienol can lower cholesterol. And in this study, I guess my question is: Was it, of course, found to be much more effective at lowering cholesterol than, say, like the <clears throat> tocopherol? 
Yeah, I they tried tocopherol and they found that tocopherol does not lower cholesterol. Okay. Uh, so its baseline doesn't, but it is an antioxidant, but doesn't lower cholesterol. And then they have, um, they did tocotrienol. There are four tocotrienol and there are four Greek letters, alpha, beta, delta, and gamma. Of these four, uh, the delta and gamma tocotrienol work the strongest, the most potent. And even between these two, uh, delta and gamma, delta is head and shoulder uh, 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 above all the rest, and it's usually two times more potent than gamma. So I think of gamma, delta as the strongest, followed by uh, gamma, delta strongest, followed by gamma, and then the distant third will be alpha tocotrienol, alpha, and beta, uh, uh, they do test on them, but beta is not abundant in nature, meaning if you eat from plant, there is very little to nothing about beta, so I don't think of beta as important, it's simply not found there, so delta is the most. I did say early on, and I would say this, say this because I, I forgot to say this. I did say from the Anato plan, I discover this tocotrienol. That's correct. When we did the analysis of this, I know that your audience probably cannot see this. That's a beautiful picture of Anato. See that? See uh, the color? Uh, Let's say like that. That's that's a carotene and inside to protect the color <clears throat> is the vitamin E tocotrienol. The tocotrienol found in this anato of the four is almost all delta tocotrienol. Isn't oh, that wow. amazing? Almost all delta, 90% and 10% gamma, which means if vitamin E will be most potent to mitigate chronic condition, then yeah. anatotocotrino is it. And I did, and sometimes they say, oh, Dr. Tan, you, find, you did this and that. They say, I didn't do anything to the plant. The plant just make it like that. I'm just lucky that I happen to be there, ask the right question and discover. And other people tell story that, you know, they are medicine man, and then they go to the jungle, this and that, you know. I, you know, I wish I can tell those, but that's not, I don't like snake. I don't like mosquito bite, disease, this and that. I wasn't. I just happened, you know, Chloe, I just happened to be in the right place at the right time, ask some good question. I did not, I did not go to the Amazonia jungle, but, but I did discover this on the, on the tip of the Amazonia jungle uh, in Ecuador and, and Peru. They're on the other side. Most of the Amazonian jungle we know is in Brazil. You know, the highland on Ecuador and, and Peru, and it slopes all the way down into the ocean uh, on Brazil on the other end. And most of the Amazonia is in Brazil. I'm on the other end. So, and, and if you think about this, right, sometimes um, life have unexpected turn. Yes. Life also have things that are not pleasant, and you and I can share stories like this. But sometimes good things fall fall in our lap, and when they do, we should uh, celebrate those. And this is one of those. Just look at me. I I I I'm an Asian. There are a lot of stuff in Asia, but that's not where I discovered this. I cannot speak Spanish, <laughs> and, and there I was in South America, and. Why do I deserve to discover this? I don't know the answer. But because I did, 
I have a responsibility to reduce this to practice so that other people can benefit. That had been my lifelong passion uh, with my discovery. The discovery was probably about 25 years approximately ago. So sorry about that. version. That's so admirable. That's that's so cool. So, and maybe even going off of that with the mention that I believe it was the Delta version of this tocotrieno present in the Anato. Are there other sources maybe to bring up of these tocotrienols and different variants of the Delta, the Gamma in those sources? Let's take a brief pause from the episode to talk about a new product I'm totally hooked on. It's called Mitopure by Timeline. It's rare that something new, truly new, enters the world of supplements, but Timeline has done just that with Mitopure. With over a decade of research, It is one of the most thoroughly studied products I have ever come across, to be honest, which really made me feel confident in trying it myself. At its core, Mitopure works on your cell's powerhouse, those mitochondria. They supply your cells with the energy they need not only to function, but thrive. It's important to understand that the human body is an energy-generating machine. Every second of the day, even as we sleep, our cells need energy to keep our hearts beating, our lungs breathing, and our brain functioning. But starting as young as our 30s, our mitochondria become damaged, making it much harder for them to supply us with the energy we need to thrive. Clinical trials have shown that taking Mitopure daily can improve cellular energy production and improve muscle strength and performance. And they just launched a skin line using the same Mitopure technology. When applied topically, Mitopure energizes the skin cells, making them better able to combat the factors associated with skin aging. Your body is an energy-generating machine, and Timeline makes it so much more powerful. If you're ready to feel and look your best, visit TimelineNutrition.com and use the code CHLOEP, that's C-H-L-O-E-P, to get 5% off your plan of choice. Let's get back to the episode. Yeah, you can find some of them in corn. If you eat, when you eat corn or in corn oil, you can find some in pistachio, macadamia nut. These are still not common things Americans eat, you know, but Americans know about them. We have macadamia, we have pistachio. Uh, we eat corn more like that, all, all correct, uh, like that. But the amount that you find, Chloe, in these that I mentioned, and, and even in soy, is not high. Probably, yeah. uh, probably in a typical American diet, we may have one, a, a two to three milligram, very small per day. If we eat a normal American diet, if we were to live uh, in a Japan, in Asian country like Japan, Malaysia, Indonesia, where we expose more to rice bran oil. Uh, that you can buy it in Whole Foods, this and that, or palm oil. Most Americans avoid palm oil because it's saturated fat. 
then you may have about five, six milligrams, twice the amount in American diet. And if you happen to be in South America, where you pound uh, the annatto seed in tortilla chip, it is in many ethnic food, uh, not common to the U.S. We sanitize them, we extract the color and then put them uh, into cheese, uh, all good. But they pound the whole seed where some of these would be in there in tortilla chip. Uh, if you Google the Spanish word annatto, it's called achote. A-C-H-I-O-T-E. If you say a Spanish food using a chote or Spanish food using a, 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 a natto, then you find the food tend to be reddish color. That Then that reddish color they use a natto. If you do this, then probably from their diet, they may get about 10 milligram or so. Later, you're going to ask me how much would be the dosage. Typically, yes. the beginning dosage should be more like 100 to 200 milligram for antioxidant protection, mild chronic condition, uh, 200 to 300, and more serious chronic condition, more like 400 milligrams. So I even answered the bottom at the end, at the, bo- uh, the end at midterm because I, so, so therefore, if we take it dietarily, uh, containing three or five or ten milligram, they're still on the very lower end of what the antioxidative protection is that I deem between one hundred to two hundred milligram. Wow! No, I think that was a really good illustration of just how diet is probably not enough um, when it comes to getting this vitamin E, this tocotrienol compound. So. I guess before we move on to really examining some of these benefits as pertaining to things like diabetes or inflammation, et cetera, I do want to ask one more question just about the tocopherol and possible scare that there was about that version of vitamin E years back. Oh, yes. Um your question brings to mind um, in the early, at the beginning of the 20th century, the 1930, 40, 50, all the way to 1980, all the rage about vitamin E was alpha tocopherol, the most commonly known to, uh, vitamin E. And so in the 1990s, the, the United States government funded very, very large study, mostly in the VA hospital, Harvard University in the Boston area. So they did this study, 20,000, 30,000, very, very large study. So in this large study, they asked the question, will alpha tocopherol help to protect cardiovascular disease, cancer? Many questions, such questions being asked. So the, the results came out somewhere starting from the late 1990s all the way into the early 2000s. If you ask why does the result come out in, in, in drips and drab, it sounds like drips and drab, Chloe, but it isn't. The reason it stretched out so much to study is the audience may or may not know. The study uh, a population was 20 to 30,000. That is so huge. You cannot stick overnight and then you got all the data. It's simply not going to happen. And usually the faculty or the scientists doing this, there'll probably be 10, 20 people studying them. So to get all the data together to come back is a sequence of published work. So when it's all is said and done, I would summarize in the way that I know best that 
at the very best, Alfred Tocafro did little to nothing. At the very best. Oh wow! At the worst, it could potentially cause cardiovascular condition, particularly in women, and then in cancer could it potentially cause breast cancer in women and prostate cancer in men. Possibly also lung cancer. So with that, vitamin E took a nose dive <laughs> because yeah, I'm sure. Out. If you Google, you can find it. There will be a study somewhere in 1995 to 2005. So that's very quiet in the bounty. And I remember I started my career in 1983 to study this newly discovered tocotrienol that I, I was doing. And I was a young assistant professor in University of Massachusetts. And I thought, okay, they are going to throw me, uh, throw the baby out with the bathwater and I'm going to be thrown away. But I persisted on it, Chloe. I just decided that there's something about this tocotrienol and I survive. So if if I if people think that this is flash in the pan, imagine if you were to be me in 1985. I would be shivering. I would be nervous about all these things. But I persisted. So I started my career doing Togo, studying Togo to 1983 or four something then, all the way to today. So clearly, 40 years is not a flash in the pan like that. I persisted and we've done many clinical trials and almost all of them without question, tocotrienol is completely head and shoulder above uh, uh, tocopherol. But to the earlier study, because it took a nosedive on alpha tocopherol, the, the part that I want to distinguish is not so much alpha, not only alpha tocopherol cannot do the job, and tocotrienol can do the job. Yes, that's true, but not only that. In the early 1990s, we got to we found tocotrienol from palm oil. And in palm oil, it's about, just, just bear with me, it's about 25% tocopherol. Oh, and 75% okay. tocotrienol. That's how palm oil produced, only in a natto. 0% tocopherol and 100% tocotrienol, you follow? But but my discovery of anatotocotrienol came about 10 years after. So be 10 years before it was palm. And remember, I was already a researcher. So I got this palm tocotrienol and we did research. And what we found is a very discomforting. It's not because... I want the result like that. I did the work. I'm a scientist. The, the data is the data. And, and, and I was really disappointed. I was disappointed because half of the studies say palm tocotrienol would lower cholesterol. The other half did not. It's about the worst statistics you get. Half yes, half no. Well, then <laughs> yeah. the statistic is not going to be good. So we were wondering, why did it do that? If you understand this with me, the biohackers who listen on will got it right away. We decided that it took us so long to do this clinical study. So my colleague and I said, stop, stop. We got to stop the study. We got to figure out why half work and half does not work. So he decided to go back to animal study. We found out that of the ones that work, of the one 
that work for the TOCO trienal, the tocopherol level tends to be lower than 25%, like 15-ish percent. For the one that didn't work, the tocopherol uh, total amount of vitamin E tend to be 25 or 30%. So we were just guessing, you know, maybe the tocopherol is not innocuous. Maybe it's doing something antagonistic to the tocotrienol. We were guessing. So we go back to animal study. This is what we did. We did a study with just tocotrienol and it lowered the cholesterol. And then in another group, we give the same amount of tocotrienol with 10% tocopherol. It dropped a little bit, but nothing to write home about. And then in the third group, the same amount of tocotrienol, 20%. And then the same, and another group, same amount of tocotrienol, 30 or 40%. All that to say, same amount of tocotrienol in all of them. It, it, it dropped the highest, and then it go this way, drop less, drop less. And eventually, even though we had the same amount of tocotrienol with high tocopherol, the tocotrienol completely unable to cause the cholesterol to drop. We now found out that the tocopherol interferes with the function of tocotrienol for cholesterol reduction. Oh, wow. Since then, Chloe, I, I want the audience to know, since then, we have shown this in cancer, the same thing. And we've shown that in all other areas that we study, the tocopherol interferes with the function of tocotrienol. So I'm asking the audience, Please do not supplement with tocopherol. You do not need tocopherol. If you eat your normal healthy diet, you would have enough of approximately 10-15 milligram of alpha tocopherol that will be good enough for you. If you need to supplement any vitamin E, the new day, the biohacker way of vitamin E today is tocotrienol. And once you ask me about what the different functions are for tocotrienol, it would be insane if you would ignore tocotrienol. You just spell the tocotrienol on Google, you'll find all the published work people do and how you can get this tocotrienol in the space out there. No, that is so cool. I'm really glad we had that conversation because that really illustrates just how powerful this compound is as opposed to what used to be in our vitamin E supplements. And even like looking in my cabinet, some old supplements, there was that tocopherol in there. And I was like, Oh no, no. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that's, that's an incredible story and incredible research truly. So with that said, I want to start shifting into these different applications. Mm -hmm. So like, um, how, how are these tocotrienols particularly helpful for metabolic conditions? Let's start there, like maybe diabetes. Okay. Um, uh, even before I mentioned diabetes, we'll stay with metabolic syndrome. I, I have a story here to tell. The Stanford endocrinologist professor, he has since retired and passed away. He was at the American Diabetes Association to receive a big award. And I'm a short Asian guy. And after he finished talk, everybody loved what he talked. And then there was a long line waiting to ask questions. 
and then his time was over. So I was not even getting to my, I knew I was not going to be able to ask my question. So I did a sneaky thing. He walked on the backstage to walk out rapidly. So I caught him on the door going outside and you can tell he was a little bit irritated. And then he told me that I'm trying to catch my flight back to Palo Alto. He was a Stanford uh, professor, well-known professor. I asked him that, can you just give me a simple understanding of metabolic syndrome because of metabolic diseases? At the time, it was called Syndrome X. So Chloe, I don't know if you know, before it was a metabolic disorder, metabolic syndrome, it was called Syndrome X. Because during that time, we have the X-File, you know, in the movie, it's very sexy, everybody. So X is just very sexy, you know, like that. But he used Syndrome X because because he couldn't figure out what the syndrome is other than other than if you leave it long enough people's sugar will go up and then they have diabetes and now if you look at it carefully people have pre-diabetes before they have diabetes so what exactly is this syndrome x and then he finally discovered that this is metabolic syndrome it is a syndrome of the metabolites in the body that gone wacko like this and then how did it go wacko that the sugar goes so up and people have diabetes this is what he told me i tell him what he say and then i put it in simpler terms this is another biohacker thing yeah, and remember this gentleman was a little irritated he wanted to catch his flight he doesn't want to miss his flight back i think we were in chicago he was trying to fly back uh, uh, to to uh, san francisco he simply said this Hypertriglyceridemia always precedes hyperglycemia. And then he left. That's all he said. <laughs> so that means before people have high sugar, they have high triglyceride. Or if you put it in a positive, high triglyceride first before you have high sugar. So if you were to be a biohacker, you're a, a, a physician give you your lipid profile when they measure cholesterol. Read your lipid profile. Before you read your sugar, how high is your triglyceride? Is your triglyceride normal? If your triglyceride is not normal, it will be going in the direction that you become pre-diabetic diabetes. And then your sugar is high, but not high enough to be diabetic, normally high. So if you then control your high triglyceride and bring it down, you'll probably see your sugar coming down, going in the right direction. Rather than going that direction, where your triglyceride go higher, your sugar go higher, and you go in the diabetes direction. I, I'm saying that only for, for the love of the education of people. I didn't even say a word about Toko Trino. So I hope that you are educated and feel, and feel, and oh my goodness, I'm going to take it to heart and s figure out what my triglyceride is because my doctor is, is in your profile the whole time. But people, the doctor don't spend enough time to tell you, but you can read it. So you can also Google uh, uh, that professor name. His name is Gerald. G-E-R-A-L-D, Reven, R-E-A-V-E-N, Gerald Reven, Stanford professor. He even have some uh, uh, TED Talk or YouTube before he passed away. I think he passed away about five years ago or so. Anything earlier, you see him doing that. So he came up with that. So he sealed the understanding of metabolic syndrome. No, no more uh, syndrome X. So now to your question. As the triglyceride go up, 
then the sugar is moderately high, that is metabolic syndrome is called prediabetes. And if it's still unchecked and go forward, then the sugar will hit high uh, and then you have diabetes. So in our case, we have used uh, two pills of 300 milligram at 600 milligram. First, we study people with high cholesterol, the cholesterol drop a bit. And then in a different group, we study people with moderately high triglyceride. So their metabolic syndrome. So their body is under some stress. And so we also, while we, well, we know that the body is under some stress. We therefore study inflammation and we study things like interleukin-6 and C-reactive protein. They also drop. And then in a separate group, we study people uh, with type 2 diabetes. They're clearly diabetic where uh, the insulin cannot take care of handling all the sugar. We also study them and we systematically see the sugar reduce. We always see the triglyceride drop even for people with type 2 diabetes. You oh, know, wow. that is really amazing because type 2 diabetes, they've already crossed the red line into being diabetic. We still see uh, the triglyceride being managed. That is a very important thing for us. And the re inflammation also dropped. I know you have an inflammation question. I might as well answer it. We said we look at the interleukin-6 and C-reactive protein. These are the two strongest, clearest marker, they typically drop and the drop typically up anywhere from 15 to 25, sometimes 30%. If the inflammation drop, that is very good. That means that the tocotrienol vitamin E is able to cull back the serious stress to your body so that it would drop. So before I pass the mic back to you, lastly, we study people with fatty, liver condition. I know you didn't say you didn't say this and there's a specific reason why we do that Chloe. If you go online and you ask your your biohackers group to look fatty liver condition. If you want to be specific and you call up all the study, remember, I have no control on this. You can go look at it yourself. If you study, if you look at N A F L D, is that for non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, NAFLD, is awkwardly phrased, but it's appropriate. That means that people who had so much fat in the liver, they have liver condition exactly like people who, who drink so much alcohol and the alcohol uh, destroy their liver, like liver cirrhosis. Enough that this is non-alcoholic alcoholic fatty liver disease, who would have guessed 30 years after, you know, all of us have some kind of religious this or that upbringing. And people said that if you were to be a Christian, you should not be drinking alcohol. Who would have guessed 30, 40 years today, we understand we can destroy our liver because we consume so much fat so that the fat is able to produce the kind of condition in the liver like alcohol would. It is, if you think about that, that is almost stunning. So, so control 
controlling the consumption of fat is important and about 90 million Americans have fatty liver. So we decided to take this head on. It is pretty scary when I started to do this because I knew that this can do metabolic syndrome, pre-diabetes, diabetes. let's study. So we have three clinical study we did on giving people 600 milligrams. The first one is on three month study and it lower uh, the triglyceride and then the second one, six month study, it lowers inflammation. We still do the triglyceride, it lower inflammation. Then we have ultrasound, like you use ultrasound to see a fetus like that. We use ultrasound and reflect and see the fat in the body. And we saw that the fat is being removed. Finally, we decided that we're going to do a 12 month study. And after that, I said, I'm done because it, this is too much study. I cannot handle this. On a 12 month <laughs> study, the reason we did the 12 month study was because the liver is the largest organ. So I need to see if the largest organ was sustained on doing this. And in the 12 month study, we saw that all the earlier study we did still exists in the 12 month study, lower inflammation, lower triglyceride, lower enzyme. We look for liver enzymes like ALTAST. These are stress liver enzyme. If you, if you do anything monkey business with the liver, this stress enzyme in the liver would go up and you can find it in the blood. They all drop, all this drop. In the last one on the 12 month, we study scarring tissue. If the fat is stashed around in the liver too long, it will, be for, it will begin to form scarring tissue. And when they have scarring tissue, it will begin to look irreversible. Not a good word, but irreversible. So we also saw the scarring tissue reverse back. So with oh, wow. all these three studies, and my colleague told me, even in the three-month study, which we figured out a, a, a three years earlier, she said, Barry, did you notice that? Then I said, yeah, I did notice that. It's significant. Then I, but I want to ignore what my colleagues say. Then we did the six-month study. That thing that she told me was also there. Then I said, okay, now I got to pay attention. So when we did the 12-month study, we did that again. I'll tell you what it is. In the three, six, and 12-month study, in this fatty liver patient, they all lost weight. They lost weight anywhere from 10, 10 to 15 pounds. The reason I resisted my colleague telling me because I didn't want people to jump on this and then to say, if you take the Toco try, it's a weight loss product. You see, people are going to do that and then they're going to look for something to weight loss in two to four weeks. Then I told my colleague, our, our shortest study is three months. He said, it's not, it's not one month. Not even one month. She said, so I, I, I fear if I say this. Well, then she said, then say what the studies say. That at three months, six months, and 12 months, they have consistent weight loss. And now I am more acclimated to that. I'm more comfortable speaking it. At three, six, and 12 months, most people to have a quick fix weight loss, the weight comes back. But right now we have sustained study, even up to 12 months the weight loss is sustained. So I'm happy to, and I think that the weight loss is because the body metabolism was so out of kilter, is coming back to normality, and the weight loss is a response to the body inflammation and stress being reduced and the body coming back. So it's more a consequence of metabolic order rather than a weight loss. But still at the end of the day, what is there not to like? 
if a person have fatty liver and they lose 10 to 15 pounds. There's, there's nothing not to like. So I, I wanted to say that. So that is such a beautiful thing. We finished all those five, uh, three study over five years, uh, uh, about a year ago. So we're very pleased to have that finding. And they're all part of the metabolic syndrome, metabolic disease. Wow. No, I think I totally agree with you whenever you were saying how it's a result of bringing the body back to this state of metabolic order and that that weight loss is, is almost just like a kind of a side effect of, of just getting healthier, really. Yes. So I love that. I love that so much. So we only have a few more minutes before we wrap up the episode and I know we can't really dive too deep into it, but there was another little molecule. Um, I don't, I don't know if I can pronounce it correctly, but ger, geronel, geronel. We're acronizing GG, GG. Yes, yes. So let's. Can we go into that just for a few quick minutes before we wrap up the episode? Yes, I, I will tell you in shorthand. And maybe in another year from now or six months from now, if you want a follow-up interview just on that, it will be definitely worthy uh, of your time and of your biohackers' time. Jaranol, Jaranol GG is a compound our body makes. Remember how I said it's, it's an endogenous compound our body makes. Because our body makes this compound, then this compound is used in the body for something. Our company is the first time ever to we make GG until now nobody does. GG and you say uh, you're back, you're, you like the phrase reaction that synthesizes. You're gonna love this, uh, Chloe. <laughs> uh, GG is used in our body for the synthesis of CoQ10. So everything oh. you know about CoQ10, it's ATP, cardiovascular health. GG actually biochemically synthesized CoQ10. And GG is also used in our body for the synthesis of menoquinone 4. Menoquinone is vitamin K2, MK, uh, uh, vitamin K2. And but MK4 or vitamin K2 is used to sweep all the calcium from soft tissue and put it in the bone. So it makes strong bone. So for synthesis, those are the two big ones. And for systemic, not synthesis, GG is required in the body to make strong muscle and strong bone. So they, I, I leave that too with you. You definitely need to do an interview just on GG. We make GG. We have several clinical trials. So if you do an interview for me six months or 12 months from now, I can tell you uh, some of the results of those. If not... If your biohacker group is there, we got to talk to Dr. Tan about this on GG so I can be educated. Uh, then you can interview me uh, uh, sooner. I know your other question is how to get this book. You have this. And if you were to know, I would say that again and summarize and then I pass it back to you. If you are a normal, healthy person, otherwise have nothing on, just to have antioxidative protection, anywhere from 100 to 200 milligrams a day is fine. Just take it with a meal. If you have mild chronic conditions such as prediabetes, then probably uh, something like 200 to 300 milligrams would be fine. And then 
If you have a more serious chronic condition, I mentioned some of them earlier, then probably more like 300 to 400 milligram would be fine like that. And please take it with a meal. And sometimes I forget to say, how would I, how would we get this? We make this in Massachusetts right here in the United States, but we don't make finished product. We have other people who are wholesome, good companies that make it. I will quickly name them for you. If you don't know this name, you come to our website. Our website is American River Nutrition. You'll come to me, or if you just type my name out there, it probably will bring you here. But companies that I trust to do this would be Designs for Health. Yes. Wellness Extract, AC Grace, Synergistic, and the last one is Allergy Research Group. And these are all American company. If you type any of them, and if you forget, come. And then usually in the back, they say it Delta Gold. It's just our little trade name. EG Gold, it will just bring it right to us. So I'll pass it back to you. Sorry, it's a, a few minutes there. So No, that was that was perfect. So the audience can go and get those resources. And I'll definitely include all of that in the show notes as well so that it's a lot uh, more easier to access. And then we mentioned that ebook earlier on in the episode. So we actually have a code synthesis for you to get this ebook and download it for free. So you can go to barryton.com slash book, use code synthesis, and you can download this book for free. It's a wealth of knowledge and I'm just so glad we got to have the chance to have you on today and we'll definitely have to have another interview on GG and examine all those studies too. Yeah, well, thank you so much and blessings to all your uh, listeners that follow you. Hopefully, this is some of the messages that you can take home and use. So blessings to all. Absolutely. Thank you again. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in today. We will see you in the next one. The content provided by the Synthesis of Wellness LLC via its podcast and domain is for informational purposes only and should not be used as medical advice or as a replacement for medical care. The Synthesis of Wellness podcast, synthesisofwellness.com, the Synthesis of Wellness LLC, and Chloe Porter disclaim responsibility from adverse effects resulting from using the content provided. Please seek and consult a licensed physician for your health and medical needs. Furthermore, Chloe Porter and the Synthesis of Wellness podcast are not responsible for the opinions of guests featured on the podcast.